DJ, DJ, my guy, welcome back. How you doing? You've been missed. How you doing? Sean, I appreciate the warm welcome, man. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's uh, it's always more enjoyable hopping on with you after a big dub. You know, I don't, I don't gotta, you know, give it to my guys here day after day. So it, it's nice that we got a dub, and, and I'm happy that I get to talk talk to you about it now. Yeah, we are gonna get into that, man. We are gonna talk about the weather too, cause I know the weather was pretty hectic. I seen, uh, I seen pools on the field, bro. When I see pools of water on a CFL field, I can only imagine how much it was raining. Yeah, it. Uh, I think UBC brought a little bit of that Vancouver rain with them. Um, I mean, fortunately for us, uh, you know, I thought we played pretty well in it. Yeah, they tried. Didn't work, though. Didn't work, though. <laughs> it was a tight game, though. It was a tight game. We're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. Anyways, anyways, we back. DJ back. Deshaun's back. My name is Deshaun Stevens. This is DJ Lalama. And welcome to Take It or Leave It, the show where we deliver you sports football news for all 27 different schools. DJ, walk me through your week, bro. It was uh, it was a crazy week, man. Um, getting ready for UBC, uh, obviously 0-2 going into that game uh, with the Manitoba Bisons. And, uh, you know, on one hand, you think that you have nothing to lose. But on the other hand, I mean, your season's really on the line, right? Uh, you, you know, you, no one wants to be 0-3 uh, three weeks into it. So hard week of preparation, and I'm glad it paid off for the guys. I think it's How like – you? How was your week? Yeah, no, my week was blessed. Like, my week was absolutely blessed. I ain't a coach, so I'm chilling, right? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, listen, I think it's I think it's unique that you say that, listen, it seemed like your season was on the line, and it's just week three, right? And I think it just goes to show the competitive nature of this entire U Sports football season so far. Like, I think going into week three, for some teams week four – a lot of teams were under circumstances where, listen, this is a make or break week, right? So I think it's just unique to see like how competitive the season is. And I think it brings a lot of transparency to like, you know, the the state of com- competitiveness in football right now compared to recent years. Absolutely. No, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think, um, you know, you want to take it week by week, right? The whole idea here is you go one and know each and every week, but I mean, I, you know, it, it takes a man of logic to, to look at his standings and see, hey, if you go 0-3 to start a season, um, that means three teams have a tiebreaker on you too. You know, so there, there's a lot of extra, um, you know, pressure, I guess, that comes with that. And um, not saying that no team that's ever started 0-3 has gone on to, to make the playoffs, um, but definitely it doesn't put you, um, you know, ahead of the game, right? It puts you a little bit behind the eight ball. So, uh, yeah. Glad, glad we're one and two going into week four, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And let's get into it straight up, right? So listen, Manitoba hosted UBC, and y'all got your first win, 21-16. to 16. Uh, Descatelier threw for 129 passing yards, two touchdowns, and your defense allowed zero touchdowns. DJ, I'm going to leave it to you because this is your team. This is your squad. I need your perspective from on the sidelines as a coach. What went down? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, the weather was crazy. Um, you know, I think there was something like 45 millimeters of rain from from the start of the game to the end of the game. Uh, so it felt like we were playing in Vancouver in, in terms of the climate. Um, but no, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, Des came out composed. Um, obviously, he wanted to have a rebound game after, you know, what happened in Alberta. Um, you know, throwing 70% completion percentage, two tugs. Um, you know, he can still get better. Um, but I think the big return of, of Braden Stubbs at running back for us was 6.5 yards of carry. Um, it allowed us to extend some drives, um, you know, run the football maybe a little bit better than we had, um, you know, leading up to this game. But I mean, I think what it really comes down to is, is like you said, it, the defense uh, led by our two defensive tackles, Cole Adamson, you know, a Winnipeg Blue Bomber draft pick, 
and, and a prospect in Colin Cornelson, who I think we'll hear his name called, you know, in the CFL draft this year. Um, those two guys, you know, double teams, it, it didn't matter what that UBC line did. Uh, those two dudes had a had a huge game. Um, and so much so that our two linebackers, uh, Isaac Dawkin um, and Dolan Hills, who's who's filling in for Nick Thomas and all Canadian, uh, they had a combined 22 tackles. Um, so I think any time that those, you know, interior D linemen can keep it nice and clean for the linebackers, uh, that's going to go a long way. Um, and our DBs, you know, I thought Stephen Adamopoulos, our safety, um, played phenomenal, getting our guys into the right stuff. Um, and two big third down stops by him alone, you know, as a safety getting up into that running game. Um, so turnover on downs. Um, and I think Nico DeFonte had his best game as a Bison. You know, it's good to see him return to that 2019 form. You know, a 40, 40 point average in, in, in that rain, you know, with a heavy football, 60 yard average on kickoffs. And, you know, you talk about two forced fumbles and, and a block punt on special teams. It's, it's good to see things going in the right direction. There's a ton that we can improve on. Um, but you know what? I think the guys stepped up and like I said, they wanted to go one and zero this week. And, you know, now we're one, one and two on the season. And, um, I do want to give a couple of guys on the UBC team, know, a shout out, um, you know, Kapler, the running back coming in for Isaiah Knight, um, 175 yards on the ground. Uh, you know, he, he's a bulldozer back there. Um, you know, Owen Brown, the, the kicker, you know, four for four and field goals in that type of conditions, um, you know, kept them in the game. Um, and their defense played well. You know, they had two interceptions on on Dez, uh, two sacks, and another forced fumble. So um, they're they're more than a formidable opponent. Um, they have a top, like you know, a, a bunch of top end talent. And uh, it was just you know fortunate to be our day. But uh, you know, UBC is always something you got to watch out for week in week out. And you know, Blake Nell, I'm sure, will have him firing next week. Yeah, and listen, look, look, you talk about Manitoba, right? And for you guys everything was clicking this past weekend, right? And I think it's interesting to see you guys were a team that were, you know, favored, like had the second best odds entering this season to like go to the Hardy Cup. And I know we're talking about like long-term stuff and all that, but you guys had a tough week one, right? Had that, you know, upset loss, right? And yeah. you guys started the season ranked and got bumped out the rankings and then had a tough week two loss. So can you walk me through how important this win was for the morale of that team now, considering that y'all had a tough, like, first two weeks to finally have a week three game where like things are on all cylinders and you get the dub against an opponent that, you know, a lot of teams are looking at this season to be a contender in that conference. What's the morale like for Manitoba? Absolutely. I mean, I think the morale is always better, right. When, when you're winning, but I think, you know, going back to week one, I mean, I want, I want to throw this out there. I mean, Regina is a good football team. You know, I'm not sure what those coaches, uh, you know, had thought when they were making those preseason rankings, but I mean, you watched the game last night and, and they're a second away from from beating Sask. And, you know, so I don't want to call it an upset. You know, I think it was a good game and they won the field possession and turnover battle in, in week one. And and that gave them the W. Um, going into week two, I think we were reeling a little bit. You know, I think those expectations uh, with a really veteran group may have gotten to our heads just a bit. Um, and I think as soon as we hit a little adversity there, um, you know, in Alberta, things just started to crumble, you know, and we were our own worst enemy um, and we were giving up big plays um, and we lost the field possession battle. So, you know, I think for us, it was just kind of getting back to the drawing board. And, and I know there's other teams across the country that are feeling the same, but you know what you have in your locker room and not every game is going to be, you know, the, the one where you're able to sign off and say, hey, that was our best effort. 
Um, but I think for us, it's, it's sticking to the script, you know, sticking to, you know, what we know um, is Bison football. And, you know, in time, you know, guys are going to have to step up. Guys will gel a little bit more. Coaches will do a better job preparing. Um, but I'm glad that, uh, you know, we were able to have a, a good three-phase effort uh, on Friday night and get the dub. That's facts. That's facts. And listen, you talked about Regina just now. And yeah, looking back on that week one win that they had, it wasn't an upset, right? Because we're about to get into it right now. This is a serious team, right? And I, listen, I don't know what those coaches were thinking either, um, but we got like, I'm going to say all the time, like that preseason, you know, coaches poll had Regina last, right? And, and, and so no one was expecting anything from them this season, but let's get into it, right? I think we need to get into it because, yo, the number six Regina Rams faced the number two Saskatchewan Huskies. This was the game of the week for U Sports. This was the game of the week for Persevere. Um, listen, and it, it didn't disappoint, all right? Uh, over 7,000 people were at Mosaic Stadium. Saskatchewan escaped, escaped with the win, 11 to 10 on a David Soley game-winning field goal with six seconds left. Um, Regina's, off, I mean, uh, Saskatchewan's offense had no touchdowns for the first time this season. So that high-powered offense that they've been rolling with all season, got it got shut down. Uh, fun fact, DJ, this is for you. Fun fact, since you're a special teams guy. There were 19 total punts in this game. Yep. <laughs> okay, 19 total punts in this game for a total of 889 yards. This was like a defensive affair. Okay, I need your thoughts on this game, DJ. Yeah, I mean, watching the game, I mean, first of all, um, you know, watching that game, I think if if, you know, the result maybe ended the other way with the Rams up top, I mean, it's hard not to talk about Aldo as as like the MVP of that game. I mean, he had a couple 70-yard punts, um, you know, averaging 52 yards a punt, you know, and he's kicking the ball 10 times. Um, that's going to shift field position each and every time, you know, you send your punt team out there. You know, on the flip side, I mean, we know what their, uh, you know, their punt return team can do. Um, pressure, pressure, pressure. And, and I think Soleil was a, was a little uncomfortable perhaps, um, you know, throughout the day, but um, listen, man, for me, it, it comes down to the Huskies defense, you know, Regina's played really well. Um, Regina's had, you know, five TFLs and, and three pass breakups. I mean, that's a great day at the office for, for any program. Um, but the Husky stat line, I mean, four, four, four forced fumbles, you know, four pass breakups, an INT and a block, you know, you, you read that stat line as a defense. I mean, you know, if you go and you dig in, it's not one guy. You know, it's 12 guys firing on all cylinders and ultimately gave them a chance to win the game with the last play, and they did. You know, um, the other part of it, too, you know, yes, Saskin didn't have an offensive touchdown, but, you know, Mason threw 66%, you know, completion percentage. So, again, a, a pretty decent day for him at the office. And, you know, how about Riker Frank? I mean, 100 yards rushing. Um, that, that chews up clock, and, again, it, it makes it hard for – you know, for the opposing team to, to get the ball back and, and get spots. So great game um, Two you know, heavy hitters this year, obviously in the Canada West. And um, I think the Huskies defense and, you know, a little bit of that running game was ultimately the, the difference. Yeah. hundred percent. And listen, you talk about record Frank, I got to give you credit because you're someone that you, you shouted him out at the beginning of the season, before the season started yeah. to watch out for in the Canada West conference. You said he was going to be that person to really take on that load now for Adam Matcar after his retirement. And you were hundred percent with that pick Mason Nias over 200 yards passing. Listen, he didn't have a bad day at all yesterday. I think he's still, you know, I think he still is right now entering this game. He was the front runner for the heck. 
I don't think yeah. that game, you know, tarnished his, rep- his reputation at all. Nothing to lose for Mason Nias in that game. I think this game speaks more to Regina because I think with Regina, the big thing with Regina is uh, through first two weeks, everyone's questioning, are they a true top 10? They get ranked number seven. Are they, are they seriously a, a number seven top, like on, in the country? They get ranked number six. Are they a true top six? Right? So I think for this game, I'm looking at Regina. I'm saying, listen, first off, this is a, the true top 10 program, right? Yeah. Second, this might even be, in my opinion, this might even be a top five program in the nation. And then third, their wins over the last two weeks, it ain't no joke. It ain't no fluke. Yeah. In my opinion, the Saskatchewan Huskies, they might very well be the most, you know, high-powered team all round in the nation, right? One, two with the Western Mustangs. If you're able sure. to bang, sure. yeah, if you're able to bang with the Saskatchewan Huskies all four quarters and and basically have it come down to a game-winning field goal with six seconds left, like you're a serious contender, you know? So I'm looking at Regina right now and I'm saying, listen, screw that preseason coaches poll. Screw any questions that people had around this team over the first two weeks. This is a serious team in the Canada West Conference. And this is a serious team that, in my opinion, they like their ceiling in that conference right now is they can challenge legitimately for a Hardy Cup in 2022. Yeah, I, I think you, you're 100% right there. I mean, what McConkie's done with that program, you know, whether he was the interim head coach or, or obviously now is the permanent guy. I mean, they're, they made the right choice. And you can see those players that have been there for a couple of years and, you know, been through that rebuilding process. Um, you know, they're leaving it out there each and every time they get on the field, you know, and they're not taking any of that opportunity for granted. And, you know, you look on the defensive side of the ball, like you spoke of, I mean, you know, Varga, uh, White, you know, Anthony Bennett. I mean, these are all-star type players, you know, in that front seven and, um, you know, that, that back end, I mean, they got to cover guys, but they don't got to do it for very long when they got that much pressure, you know, in, in the opposing quarterback's uh, face all the time. So they're a great program. Um, you know, obviously football is alive and well in Saskatchewan as a province. Um, and yeah, I mean, Canada West, uh, any given Sunday is, you know, the old adage, but it's, it's true. You know, uh, every, every opponent in the Canada West is, uh, is formidable and, you know, any given Sunday, someone can pull out a W. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, the last five weeks of the season here as, as everyone makes the run for the Hardy. Yeah, I got to say right now, what I'm seeing in Canada West, I love it. I think right now Canada West is the most entertaining conference to watch as a football fan. And uh, <laughs> I think Saskatchewan versus Regina right now, in my opinion, that's that premier rivalry right now in Canadian University football. So um, I'm excited to see how the season turns out. It's, it's, it's going well. Uh, but let's switch over now to the OUA, okay? I want to talk about Carlton versus Queens, all right? Queens defeated Carlton 49-17 to yesterday. Listen to all these stats, all right? This is going to be a long list. Quarterback James Keenan threw for 364 yards and four touchdowns. Queens running back uh, Jan Langa rushed for 112 yards and three touchdowns. Receivers Aiden O'Neill and Richard Burton both had over 100 yards receiving, and receiver Nick Cuomo had two receiving touchdowns. Um, I want to start on this, okay? Because... I've been really tough on the Queens Golden Gales for the last like year back to when they were in that whole division stuff. All right. <laughs> um, 
I've been saying over the last two weeks, last couple of weeks, I think Queens has become a lot better this season. I think Queens is in a good position to be that solid number two team in the OUA. I've challenged James Keenan to be better because I think what we've been seeing from him through the first couple of weeks of the OUA season is not who he truly is. I think he can potentially be an, an all-star level quarterback. He showed it. He showed it this past weekend. 364 yards, four passing touchdowns. In my opinion, that's his best passing performance of his career as a starter at Queens. But now, but I think, yeah. I think what's even more, you know, impressive about that stat line is that you throw in the 86% completion percentage. Exactly, exactly, 100%. And, and that shows exactly. He's not just throwing darts and, you know what I'm saying, receivers are catching maybe half of them or 30% of them. He's making good reads and completing majority of his passes, right? And I think, like, that's the biggest thing. But now, hold on. Here's where it gets crazier for Queens, right? Last year, they had one of the top run games in the nation, right? With Rasheed Tucker. Yep. Like surprisingly this year, they might actually have a better run game this year than they had last year because, yo, they had Rasheed Tucker last year in a nice O-line. This year, right, they have three different running backs in Langa, Souls, and Blackman who can all go for 100 or more on any given day. And they've shown that this past season, right? So the depth that they have at running back is ridiculous. And the quality yep. depth, that they have at running back is even more ridiculous. So now hold on. We're looking at Queens now. James Keenan is, is, is firing away on all cylinders, right? He's, he's in his prime right now. Their run game has gotten better and they have depth as opposed to just, you know, one, you know, all-star level running back. And then their receiving core has become better as well. Here you go. You got two receivers that went for over a hundred yards yesterday. And then you have a receiver that caught two touchdowns, right? Yeah, so they're receiving, their receiving core is where it needs to be. And their defense has always been good. Their defense has always been their backbone. So I'm looking at the Queens Gales right now, and I'm saying this is a serious Yates Cup contender compared to what we saw last year. This is the team that could challenge for a Yates Cup. This is the team that could potentially, and I know they lost to Western. Okay, I know they lost to Western a couple weeks ago. But this is the team that could potentially bang with Western down the line if they keep playing like this. Uh, so I'm impressed with what I've seen from Queens. But DJ, I'm going to hand it over to you for any points you may have. No, I'm I'm equally as impressed. I mean, they're they're they've long been a great program, you know, and you know, I think any program goes through a little bit of that turnover, right? Where, you know, three, four, five years and, and everyone goes through cycles. Um, but they're definitely, you know, at the pinnacle of this cycle with this group. Um, you know, it's funny you say, Oh, they've got, you know, depth at running back now. They've got a quarterback that's slinging the rock. You know, they got a defense that's, you know, forcing six turnovers. Um, and, and having three pass breakups on top of that, um, you know, it, it kind of sounds like the Western Mustangs if you didn't, you know, put a certain logo on it. Um, so I think, like you said, in terms of being able to compete 1A, 1B, I mean, until Western loses, they're definitely the 1A and, and you have to do that with a recency bias and, you know, just how good they've been over the last couple of years. Um, but I, I'm with you, man. I think, you know, Longa and Souls, you know, over 200 yards. You know, obviously, you know, with Keenan throwing 360 plus, that's 550 yards of offense, you know, and a defense that shut Carlton right down. So, you know, I'm excited that uh, Queens is back in that heavyweight conversation. Um, and what better way to, to bring together OUA football than thinking about the most East team versus one of the most Western teams uh, coming together potentially, uh, you know, for a Yates Cup battle. That'd be that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. And you know what? You hit the nail on the head when you said it sounds like Western because it really does. Right. And I think like you also touched on like how it's good to have Queens back in that heavyweight conversation. 
And I think it's like, it's good to have them in the conversation without any asterisks, right? I think like all of last year, the big asterisk was, oh, they're divided by the divisions, right? And their their opponent, their strength of opponents and all that stuff. Different year, no divisions. They're facing the same opponents that Western is facing, right? No asterisks, right? And I think like, that's what you want to see. So that if these two potentially do meet up in the Eighth Cup, now the OUA is wide open from, like I said last week, it's wide open from seeds two through 10, 11, I know who's going to be. But I think like, if this is a potential Yates Cup matchup, I'm looking at this matchup. I'm saying there's no asterisks. Like we're getting hey, Deshaun, Deshaun. Yeah. Who's gonna be number eleven, man? I'm just I'm curious to who's gonna be number eleven. No, don't do this to me, man. Don't do this to me. Listen, listen. Okay, I'll say this right now. The, right now, number eleven in the OUA, it's a tie between uh, Guelph, York, McMaster. It ain't gonna be Guelph. It ain't gonna be Mac. That's all I'm gonna say. I ain't gonna say nothing more. Uh, if you if you know you know, all right. That's all I'm gonna say. If you know you know. <laughs> if you know you know, it, right? Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. There you go. Um, but yeah, good to see Queens back in the conversation. Shout out to Queens. Uh, yo, shout out to Steve Snyder because he's he's been doing a serious job, um, leading that program ever since Pat Sheehan stepped away. Steve Snyder's done an amazing job of rebuilding that program into a national powerhouse. Uh, for they were they were in the middle of the pack for the OUA for a long time. Steve Snyder's done an amazing job of bringing them up and elevating them into that upper echelon. So shout outs to him. Uh, but listen, I want to step over now for our last game to the RSCQ. Okay, here we go. You know. Montreal took on Sherbrooke this weekend. And if I'm going to be real with you, this wasn't a game that like I had pinned as a must watch game. Uh, it wasn't a game that I don't think anyone had pinned as a must watch game. But Montreal barely escaped with the win, 24 to 20. Jonathan Senecal had 297 passing yards and one touchdown. Montreal's defense forced five turnovers. Sherbrooke's defense had eight tackles for a loss and four pass breakups. DJ, I need your thoughts on this game because I think a lot of people were shocked to see the final score be so close. So what are your thoughts? I mean, first and foremost, I mean, Senecal, the 300 yards basically passing is impressive. Don't get me wrong. I think what's more impressive about him is that you can tell that he's truly going through his reads and his progression as a quarterback at this level is, is on a fast track to, to start him. I mean, he hit 10 different receivers this week at 10, you know, most programs don't even dress 10 receivers on a game. This guy hit 10 different guys with, you know, for completions and, and that's super impressive and spreading the ball around and keeping the defense honest. You know, I think maybe why it was as close as it was. I mean, Montreal just didn't have a run game, you know, Sherbrooke eliminated, you know, what has traditionally been a really good run game and for Senecal to be one dimensional. Um, and I think anytime, you know, you're out there and you don't trust the run game on first down or, or second and short or second and medium, you know, you're going to give the defense chances to, to make some plays, right, to get some knockdowns, to get some sacks. And you look at what they were able to do there in Vero having two sacks, you know, in that game, um, you know, they they had nothing to lose against Montreal. And uh, Sherbrooke, you know, could, could have left there with a W. You know what I mean? It, it was a great game. And I think um, it's going to give Montreal some, some reasons to get back to the drawing board in terms of, you know, some nuances to their offensive scheme, perhaps, that can take them to another level. Um, but Sherbrooke, I mean, they earned some respect this weekend, uh, if anything else. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people are shocked with uh, what they're seeing from Sherbrooke. They started off the season getting destroyed by Laval, right? So I think a lot of people were not expecting much from this program, especially considering like they, they've always been like a middle of the pack program or bottom of the pack program. Um, but listen, they had that win uh, against, you know, Concordia, which yep. for many people was an upset win, right? They scored 24 points in the second half. And then, you know, fast forward to this past weekend, they gave Montreal a run for their money, right? And I think you talk about eliminating run- Montreal's run game. This is a team that got, you know, to the UTEC Bowl last year, relying partially on their run game and Bertrand Beaulieu, right? So yep. to, to eliminate a pivotal part of that offense that, you know, has gotten them 10 seconds away, basically from a national championship, you're going to see problems with that Montreal offense. Senecal, big ups to him. He's in his second year. Okay. He's in his second year and he's balling yeah. like he's in his fourth year and he's ready yeah. to go to a combine or something like that. So I'm curious to see what this brother's going to bring to the table in that year three and that year four. In my opinion, he's going to be the next great RSCQ quarterback. I mean, we talk about like Hugo Richard back in the day, back in your day, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I'm seeing, yeah. yeah, I'm seeing Jonathan Senecal being that type of guy in the RSCQ. So big ups to him going through his reads. Yeah, 10 different receivers. And on top of that, his number one receiver from last year is gone, right? Yeah. So he's spreading the ball. He's going through his reads and he's, he, he's making receivers look good, right? So shout outs to him. But um, I think, yeah, for this game, Sherbrooke gained everything. I don't think Montreal lost anything. Sherbrooke had everything to gain. And I think even though like, listen, with 10 seconds left, the score was actually 21 to 20, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I think with Sherbrooke, and I was shocked. I think with Sherbrooke, they gained a lot of respect from this game. I think like their ceiling in the RCQ might potentially be like that third seed, right? If they're gonna meet, they're gonna meet Montreal again. So we'll see how that matchup goes. But you already know Montreal is always gonna make adjustments. I think listen, they're gonna be a competitive team in the RCQ. I think you're looking at the RCQ now, you know Montreal's competitive. You know Laval is coming with a venom this year because they they lost, you know, last week by just yeah. three points to Montreal. Yeah. You know Sherbrooke is gonna have a, a lot of competitive in them this this year. And then Concordia, they're just getting it together now. The RCQ is looking good. I like where it's going. I like the fact that it's no longer it's no longer just a one-team conference. I like the fact that like you're looking at four teams in that conference and you're saying, hey, on any given Sunday, a team like Sherbrooke might be able to beat a team like Montreal. That's special. But isn't that the, isn't that the cool part about U Sports in general this year? And and again, I think you know COVID year last year, you know, it's really hard to. I think there's a big asterisk. Actually, is the best way to put it. I mean, you look around the conference week in and week out this year, you don't know who's going to win. You you don't, you know, every single game has its own demeanor. Every single team prepares differently for different opponents and matches up better with certain, you know, schemes, offense, defensively, special teams wise. This year, truly, I mean, we say, yes, there's there's a lot of teams that are pushing into that top 10. But I would actually argue, has the top 10 ever meant less this early into a season? Because it's, it doesn't seem to matter. The 22nd ranked team can go out there and hang with the number two overall team. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's something where the parity across this nation, I don't know if it's ever been this high. And that's why, that's why, you know what I'm saying, they need, they need to take that top 10 and they need to, like, use it for a playoff system to make it mean more. All right. hundred percent. Until they do that, it's just going to be rankings. Um, no, 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 but that's facts though. And I think like, listen, 
Someone said last season, I remember hearing this. Someone said last season, if they were betting on youth sports football, it would be easy to make money. This year, that's not the case. This year, that's not the case. If you're betting on youth sports football this year, there's very few games where you're entering with like, oh, for sure, I'm going to make money on this game. Look right here, even Montreal versus Sherbrooke. Going into this weekend, many people would have thought this would have been a massacre. And then for this to be a, a one-point game with basically 10 seconds left on the clock, I was shook when I saw that. You got to love it. You got to love it. You got to love the parody that you're seeing across the nation. DJ, let's get into one fan question real quick, and then we'll wrap it up. All right? Sounds good? Sound good. Okay, here we go. What is Windsor's ceiling? Windsor Lancers came off a big dub yesterday against the UFT Varsity Blues to move to two and one. I think entering this game, I had this game as a must-watch game for the week. I thought it was going to be a much closer game than it was because UFT, uh, they have that, you know, high-powered run game offense with Kinzia, Phillip, and Adam Williams. Obviously, Windsor, they have one of the top three ranked rushing attacks in the nation. Both defenses are scrappy. I expected this to be much closer, but Windsor came away with it. Um, DJ, do you want to start on this one with your thoughts on Windsor? Yeah, I mean, I think we spent a long time, um, you know, I think it was two podcasts ago, um, you know, talking about Kinsale. And this is no knock on him, but, you know, between him and, and that rushing attack that, you know, has been putting up 200, 250 yards a game, you know, it kind of disappeared. And, and I don't think it was anything that Toronto did negatively. I mean, I think it was just Windsor's defense. I mean, you know, seven tackles for a loss, three sacks, interceptions, three pass breakups. I mean your stuff in the sheet. I mean, I wish I had the Windsor defense in a fantasy football league this weekend because they would have got me some serious points. But I mean, you know what? To, to see what Donovan's and the Cicerellis have been doing over in Windsor, you know, I think you're seeing all of that kind of foundation, you know, all of that bricklaying that they've done over the last few seasons. You're starting to see it pay off. And when I was at Western and playing with Joe, you know, you're, you're seeing very similar, you know, attitudes, philosophies, coming through especially on the defensive side and in the special team side of that football you know and now you talk about the rushing attack well you know down the 401 I mean there's another good rushing attack you know what I mean and and I think you're starting to see I don't want to call it a me too but how are you going to beat western you know what I mean and you're seeing the success that they've had you know as we talk about a, a program like queens you know having that same depth that similar philosophy you're seeing a team like windsor now you know, kind of pushing forward with that same ideologies. And I mean, how about 500 yards on offense, skeleton, 300 passing yards. I mean, he balled out 182 yards rushing between five different guys. They're, they're a team that I think is going to surprise some people as this year continues to push forward. I think they're streaky. And I think, you know, there's a ton of experience on that coaching staff. They've seen a lot. They've been through a lot, both highs and lows. Uh, they're a program to watch out for. The reality is this. The Windsor Lancers right now are fourth in the OUA. If the playoffs started today, they got the four seed. Uh, Joey Zorn, I'm impressed with this young man. Same, yeah. It, this man is, is going to be OUA Rookie of the Year, and he's going to make a good bid for you, Sports Rookie of the Year. Right now, he has 370 total rushing yards on the year. He is third in the nation behind Keon Edwards and J.P. Simonkenda. If your name is in the same pool as those two guys, you're doing something right. This defense is among the top 12 in the nation. And listen, Skelton, they found their quarterback. I like what I saw I from him yesterday. I like what I saw from him yesterday. Cool, calm, collective in the pocket. 
I love what they have going on, going on with that play action and being able to play off having teams respect the run. I like that. Who can they not bang with? I'm always going to say Western right now, I think is that undisputed number one. You got teams making a, a, a huge run at trying to challenge them. But aside from the Western Mustangs, who can the Windsor Lancers not bang with in the OUA? I can't name anybody, right? Yeah, and I'm so, with you on that. Yeah, and so I'm looking at the Windsor Lancers, and I'm saying, oh, my gosh, they're fourth in the OUA right now. Their defense is balling. Their run game is among the best in the nation. They finally found their quarterback. Oh, my goodness. What is their actual ceiling? My gosh. In the OUA this year, the way it's wide open, you can't count out anything for this program. You can't count out anything. All right. This is a team. Remember, they're two and one. They could easily be three and oh right now. Easily. Yeah. And they got the Carlton Ravens next week. So this is a team that's dangerous. I'm not counting out anything for their ceiling. Okay. Because the OUA is wide open this year. And the Windsor Lancers are in a perfect position to challenge to get to a Yates Cup. All right. Now, obviously, for a lot of people hearing that, they're gonna they're gonna roast me and say, Oh, Deshaun, you crazy. Windsor Lancers going to Yates Cup, this, this, and that. Look at the stats. Look at what you're seeing right now. Don't let the negative biases from the past cloud your, your, your judgment of the present. If you're looking at it right now with clear eyes, this is a team right now that's among the best in the nation. So uh, their ceiling can't count out anything. But yeah, wait, DJ, what do you think their ceiling is before we, before we wrap up? I think, I think you took the words right out of my mouth, man. I think the only, the only caveat here is you look at a program like Queens and you look at a program like Western right now. You know, and they're veteran laden right across the roster. You know, last year, both number one seeds right in, in the two conference pools. Um, you know, they're expected to kind of be where they're at. Um, I guess there's a little bit more doubt when talking about Queens. But I mean, I think they've, you know, put that at bay, you know, and, and now they deserve to be truly in that top two conversation. But Windsor is so young, you know, so either they're going to, you know, move forward, you know, they're going to be scrappy. There's going to be some lumps, some growing pains, but ultimately they have nothing to lose. And that's one angle that the season can go. Or on the other hand, as the pressure starts to mount, as the expectations start to grow, how are, you know, the young guys that are filling out that roster right now going to handle that, right? How are they going to answer that bell? So I think it's a really interesting dynamic that's going on right now, you know, in Windsor. And I think ultimately they go left or right. Um, I have my own opinion. I know you have your own opinion, but ultimately they get to write that next chapter and it's going to be an exciting one at that. Yeah. And you talk about their growing pains. You talk about them being young. Another thing that like Windsor has to deal with that not a lot of other teams have to deal with is because they recruit so much from the States, they got to deal with players who are actually learning the Canadian game on the fly as they're playing. Right. So like, I remember a couple of years ago, like facing Windsor and I'm seeing like, you know, kick returners kneeling in the end zone. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> right? That's a rouge, right? Um, but they're learning the game as they're going, right? So great point. Want to see how they're able to deal with those growing pains. And uh, listen, at the very least, uh, they're, they're set up to have a really good future in OUA. And so I think when you see these teams kind of rise from the bottom, it's just a great thing to see. Uh, three minutes, DJ, what are you looking forward to the most next week? You know what, man? It's, it's tough for me to say. There's so much to look forward to each and every week. You know, if I'm being brutally honest with you, but I, I really think it's, you know, looking at Regina, you know, looking at Windsor and looking at Sherbrooke. I mean, momentum's a crazy thing, you know, and we spent some time talking about those three programs this week and, you know, you look forward and no one had expectations on any of those programs 
even up to the beginning of last week. So I'm tired of them kind of being in, in you know, the, the background. I'm tired of them not getting the respect they deserve. I'm excited to see these three programs go out now when the eyes are on them based on the first three to four weeks of the season and see how they handle it. I, I want to see where that conversation goes for you and I next time we're on. That's facts. I agree with you 100%. Another thing I'm looking at, I'm looking at Windsor and I'm looking to see if the voters for the top 10 get their you-know-what together because I think Windsor's a top 10 team in the nation. Um, I'm voting for Windsor to be on my top 10. I'm putting in that vote this week. They're taking over for the Guelph Griffins, who should have never been in the top 10 to begin with. I'm ranking Windsor number 10 in the Ooh. nation. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you heard me. It's, yeah. crazy. It, it's, it's, it's crazy with that recency bias, though. Like, Guelph, you just think, oh, a football program. You know what I'm saying? But but when you actually get when you get down to it and, and you take on that first layer of, you know, what you think it should be, yeah, I think you're right, man. I, I think it's it's time to see a couple new uh, movers and shakers in that top 10. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of recency bias when it comes to some top 10 votes. You're looking at teams like Wolf getting in with a losing record. Um, you're looking at teams like, you know, I know Laurier hasn't been in the top 10 this year, but a lot of a lot of people love Laurier. Historically great right. team. Right. Um, Carlton, you know, what I'm saying so it's crazy to see how sometimes some of these teams get in over other teams who are more deserving. And it's like, why? Because historically, they just have that cleaner reputation. So I'm looking at Windsor this week. I need Windsor in the top 10. But then going forward for next games, I'm looking at Regina. I'm looking at Sherbrooke. I'm excited to see what all three of these programs have to offer. Uh, so it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And I never I never would have ever thought at this point in the season, we will be talking so much about those three teams. DJ, it's always great sitting down with you, brother. Another great episode. And I want to say big ups to our listeners uh, for all things you sports football related make sure you follow us on instagram at persevere underscore twitter at persevere underscore and follow us on tiktok all right this uh this podcast is available on spotify apple music or apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts and youtube this is Deshaun stevens and dj lama signing off peace and blessings always